welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star, a young adult literature podcast, their film and television adaptations, and everything in between. I'm Joe. And I'm Brenna. And our show is created on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee, the Huron-Wendat, and the Anishinaabe on lands connected to the Toronto Purchase Treaty 13 of 1805. And on the Tecumloops-Tay-Shwetmik territory within the unceded traditional lands of Shwetmikulu. And today's text is set in the fictional Stony Brook, which is near mm-hmm. the real-life Stamford, Connecticut, the traditional home of the Muncie, Lenape, and Wappinger peoples. And Joe, if we're going to Stony Brook, you know what that means. <laughs> yes, we're revisiting the world of the Babysitter's Club. <gasps> so glad to be back here i really enjoy this show so season two dropped just around canadian thanksgiving which is when i think i binge watched it mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you've been bugging me about like hey are we gonna do like a little mini sode on babysitters club <laughs> it legitimately was not on my radar so i appreciate you keeping up the good fight Oh, it's really just such a pleasant show. It's so nice yeah. to hang out with these people. They're mm-hmm. all just trying their best. The conflict is super resolvable. I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm into it so hard. Indeed. But I think one of the things that I liked about this second season is that it both feels like more of the same, but also we are acknowledging that these girls are getting older, mm-hmm. that their lives are changing. So we're we're changing the nature of some of the conflicts. Although, you know, at the end of the day, it's still very much problems with my parents and problems with my friends. But with this season, we get the introduction of problems with boys. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yes. What what can we do with boys? I don't know. I'm over my head. <laughs> I um I was a big fangirl for Logan Bruno in the books and mm-hmm. I loved any any book that Logan was in, but but there was also once in a while an occasional babysitters club that was actually from Logan's perspective. Right. And oh yeah. boy, howdy, did I covet those books. I really enjoyed Logan. <laughs> was it just because you had a literary crush on him or were you boy crazy yourself? I was not particularly boy crazy, but Logan Bruno is definitely the kind of boy that 11 year old Brenna would be boy crazy about right Mm -hmm. he's like gentle and kind and in the book series he becomes an alternate for the babysitters club so he becomes an alternate officer somewhere they can call on when he's when they're full up and so Mm -hmm. the sort of the gentleness and the sweetness of him and the the way in which Marianne approaches the relationship with him which is very much not head over heels very much like uh our friendship is important to me and i want you to be a friend that i kiss Mm -hmm. i dug that at like 11 or 12 that was that was appealing (laughs) to me (laughs) i mean i feel like this is where i once again remind listeners that you did marry your high school sweetheart so in a way (laughs) your marianne fantasy kind of came true a little bit a little bit a little bit (laughs) (laughs) i did love that episode well love is maybe a strong word because there's no love in this show brenna there's uh you know there's there's like and enjoy and that kind of stuff (laughs) but the episode where marianne and logan try to take their relationship to the next level and there's just this ridiculous couples table at school that they don't enjoy spending time with because they're all too like-minded and this idea that if you go to a specific restaurant in Stony Brook, then it means that it's a big, big deal. And how Marianne and Logan both just, they kind of crumble in the face of such societal pressures. 
I thought it was amusing, but also I just kept going, oh, poor Logan. <laughs> I love when Logan uh, tries to pay the bill. Right? I thought $20 would be enough. Oh my god. I died. It's such a teen, just a teen thing to kind of say, right? Oh, I don't know what money is. He probably gets it from cutting the lawn or like shoveling snow or something like that. Yeah, it's like two weeks of labor, man. Right? Oh gosh, I remember coveting those $10 bills I would get from mowing probably 10 acres of land back when I was a preteen. Yeah. My parents had this great scam. We had this apple tree in the front yard and I got a penny an apple for cleaning oh up the windfall. Yeah. Yeah. The child labor that our parents get away with, right? <laughs> I mean, sure, they are housing and feeding us, but still, sometimes yes. you're just like, these are not indentured servitude <laughs> now. <laughs> so true. I really like, you won't know this, Joe, but I really like the way traditional storylines get modernized in this series so okay jesse and the super brat is a book it's one of the mm -hmm. books in the series obviously the super brat in that series is not a tiktok star famous for unboxing toys really <laughs> from the <laughs> 80s they didn't have tiktok and unboxing um but it's a really clever updating of mm -hmm. that storyline and i really actually found that episode affecting mm-hmm you know, Chaz, who's the dad of this TikTok superstar, it would be easy to make him a villain, a villain, right? But he's not. Mm -hmm. He's just not great at dadding, yeah. <laughs> particularly. And he doesn't really have a clear sense of boundaries with his kiddo. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, he ends up putting the family fortune ahead of Derek's ability to be a kid and I just found that storyline poignant and mm -hmm. timely and I was surprised by how much I liked that episode I have to say Jesse has never been my all-time favorite no. babysitter on account of all the ballet it's a lot <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was not a ballet girl um, but that episode is really quite good and I have to say the actress playing Jesse is quite lovely yeah, I actually quite liked it too, because I think one of my concerns this season is the idea that the Babysitter's Club is getting a little bit too big to the point where mm. I think there's almost too many girls. Like as somebody who doesn't have a background with these characters, I sometimes was like, wait, who is that one? Like I, mm. I can identify the core people, but we've added like three or four new ones this season, it seems. So Jesse was definitely one of those ones that I wasn't sure how much I was connecting with her if only because she just wasn't standing out so mm -hmm. I did appreciate that she gets her own specific episode and I liked her side of the narrative as well because I've never been great at anything but I am perfunctory at a lot of things and it's really aggravating when you feel like you found that thing that you're good at and then you don't get the success that you feel like you are mm. owed or that you deserve. So her decision to just impulsively drop ballet and become a famous ballet tutorial person online, like that is so something that I would have tried to do as a teen oh, if yeah. this technology had been available. And the way that her mom shuts that down. <laughs> her mom is the best. You know, I could see a child looking at this and thinking that the mom is being unfair. It's really not until the point that the mom says, think of how many sacrifices that we as a family have mm -hmm. made to help you find this success. And, you know, it's a very straightforward message. This idea that, you know what, just because you're in the chorus doesn't mean that you aren't doing great things. But 
it still resonates and it's still really powerful. You know, I agree. I had the same experience and I am somebody who, I don't want to say I don't deal well with feedback because I don't think that's true, but okay. I am, I emotionally, like, I don't know. I've recently heard people using this phrase, online rejection dis. And I don't think oh, I have like okay. a diagnosis, but I do think that I struggle effectively with feedback. I have to wrestle with okay. it for a really long time before I can process it. Right. And so I really felt for Jessie when she, it's just hard. It's just hard yeah. and she doesn't want to do it anymore. And like, mm-hmm. I really dig a mom who can tread that line of, you know, being a soft place to fall and being there and supporting her and also saying like, no, actually, this is a commitment you made and it's hard right now. And you kind of signed up for that. We got to see it through. Yeah. Yeah, the parents on the show are kind of note perfect. Like, they always (laughs) say and do the exact right thing. And I think more so in the second season where I suggested some of the conflict is coming from the parents, but it's more, oh, how do I not make my mom upset when she's trying to have a baby and I really want that to happen and then she can't? Or... Or, oh, we wish our parents would get married because mm-hmm. it seems like that's the next natural step. But of course, we're teens and we don't understand that marriage is kind of a huge commitment and not something to be entered into impulsively. I think one of the things I love most about the show and how it's been made is that disconnect in perspective between what's happening with the adults and what's mm-hmm. what the kids are seeing. Yes. It's so good because A, that's real. And mm-hmm. <laughs> so B... Real. So many teen shows parentalize or adultify the kids so much so that you end up with they understand too much of what's going on with their parents. Mm -hmm. I actually wanted to talk about that infertility storyline with Christy's mom because Mm -hmm. it's letter perfect. Like it's just really well done. And, you know, if folks follow my Twitter, they know I've had two miscarriages this year and it's been a bit of a time for me. And I, I really loved the way... Christy's mom struggles with her own emotions. She's got this house full of children she has to look after, right? And there's this moment where Christy finds her crying. And Christy Mm -hmm. sort of like steps up to be like, you can confide in me, mom. And Christy's mom is like, nope, actually. Yeah, that is not your job. Mm -hmm. This is a conversation I'm going to have with my husband. And I was just like, that is... Man, more teen shows need to do that, first of all. But second of all, I just felt like Alicia Silverstone, I mean, we talked about how great she is in season one. I think she brings it in season two and she gets this really weighty, emotionally complex storyline that she deals with so well. And Watson, when Watson finally steps up in episode eight and is like, Christine made Dave Michael's dad stinks like why are Mm -hmm. we all pretending this guy doesn't stink he's the worst i was just like yay watson i love you so much (laughs) yeah the the timing and the way that it's all handled is a little bit i mean think of how christy is feeling right now this is overwhelming for her so i really appreciated that alicia silverstone's character is kind of like maybe not not (laughs) but Yeah, I mean, I think that that's probably the most classically dramatic TV-esque episode of the second season, which P.S. did not realize it was eight and not ten. So the episode ended and I was like, cool, let's roll into episode nine. What do you mean it's over? (laughs) Not impressed. 
happy to have a, a second season. But uh, yeah, I was like, where are these other two episodes, please? I was hoping for another double digest special like we got when we went to camp at the end of the last yeah. one. I was hoping for another thing like that. But boo. Mm-hmm. There's a great book where they all go on a cruise. So <laughs> they all get hired as babysitters no. on this cruise. Anyway. It's okay. I, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, this was interesting because I did, to a certain extent, feel the reduced episode number. Like, I wanted a little bit more Alicia Silverstone. And I honestly did think that the season was going to maybe end with a big marriage announcement between Marianne's dad and Don's mom. But it was interesting how they kind of mixed the evolution of different relationships in so that sometimes it was full front and center with an episode of itself. And then other times it was just sort of like, oh, yeah, um, my dad is living in New York and he's spending most of his time there. Oh, OK. Well, that's grim. We'll explore that later. <laughs> Stacy's parents' divorce is its own book, and I really hope they dig into that. I think I agree with you. And the character who I feel most got let down this season is Mallory. So in the series, Mallory and Jesse get introduced together and it's the babysitters club is growing. They have so much business. They Mm -hmm. can't even keep up. And so they hire on Jesse and Mallory to take more daytime shifts. Jesse and Mallory can't babysit in the evenings because they're younger. Right. And we get that great episode with Jesse where we get to learn mm-hmm. all about her. Right. But we don't get an episode with Mallory. Instead, we get that Claudia and the new girl episode, which right. is basically just Claudia being mean to Mallory for an episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then we get Mallory's sort of weird trying to be part of the group in episode eight. As a result, it feels like Jesse has kind of been folded into the Babysitter's Club, but Mallory hasn't. And I, yeah, for me, that was the big disjuncture this season. This was that was the piece that didn't work. It's a shame because Mallory's storyline is very cute in the book. She goes from being babysat by the Babysitter's Club at the beginning of the series right. to being one of them. Mm -hmm. as the series progresses and um she's also a great character we get a little bit of it right class is obviously an issue for mallory's character Mm -hmm. her family doesn't have very much so you know i always like to see that explored in more detail and i think we get a bit of that with jesse as well which i appreciated but in general i just think of all the characters she kind of gets the rawest deal this season and if you're going to introduce her do something with her? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting that you say that because Vivian Watson, the actress who plays Mallory, was recurring in season one. So, of course, they could use her selectively when it made sense. But she's been promoted to a starring player in season two. So I definitely got the impression that they were trying to build up to something bigger. And then, yeah, it's just it didn't happen this season. And if we get a third season, it'll move forward then. But I think part of the reason that you're missing it is also because Vivian Watson, she brings a different kind of energy to the show. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes she's a bit of a likable foil. Like she's so dense at times that, you know, she's very young. So (laughs) you feel that in some of her scenes, but it brings a different kind of energy to the interactions among the group because everybody else just gets along so well. 
Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think maybe I liked that conflict. Jesse doesn't feel nearly as young as Mallory. They're the same age, but, mm-hmm. you know, there's something about being a kid who is committed and driven, whether it's to an art or to a sport or whatever. Mm-hmm. It tends to make you seem a lot more mature. And Jesse carries that all the way through the show. And so that also makes Mallory feel a bit like the odd one out because she's she's one of two younger ones, but she's the only one who really seems substantially younger than the rest of the group. Right. Yeah. I mean, interestingly enough, speaking of young versus old, I feel like we have to comment on the fact that Malia Baker, who plays Marianne, is suddenly about a foot and a half taller than all the rest of the girls. And you're like, oh, yes, here come the challenges of working with young actors. Yes, and actually casting young actors in young roles. They will be all over this. I think Mm -hmm. we have to revisit our comment that Christy is canonically a lesbian. She is so good in the first episode of this season when the girls are all playing those very typical 13-year-old girl games around Mm -hmm. like, should we call Logan and then hang up? (laughs) Should we post pictures and tag Logan in him and then untag him so that he goes and looks at them, but he doesn't know why he's been tagged? And Christy is just like, just call him. Just call him. He hasn't forgotten. My favorite is when she's Mm -hmm. like, he hasn't forgotten she exists because she got on a bus. (laughs) (laughs) yes go christy you're the best (laughs) yeah i i really came around to sophie grace this season it was funny because brian my husband was kind of walking in and out of like he'd watch a couple of episodes but not others and whenever christy wasn't the lead like it wasn't her episode he was very much on the oh my gosh she is so annoying train (laughs) but then when it's her episode and you're actually getting to see things from her perspective i think she's so much more likable and i Mm -hmm. think again it's a strength of the storytelling that we can really have these different reactions when we're getting to see what people are going through like what is their experience looking like and you could really empathize and relate to them and then other times you're just like oh my god you're really unlikable why are you acting this way right now (laughs) what did you think about the addition of a girlfriend for claudia's sister yeah so janine formally comes out she's i mean we said canonically christy is a lesbian but this is a confirmed lesbian relationship and i liked it i mean i didn't love the fact that we get the confirmation in the saddest episode of the season Mm -hmm. when claudia's grandmother mimi passes which we all knew was coming but it was still it wasn't as sad as i thought it was gonna be but i Mm -hmm. did like the way that the show handles it yeah, interestingly, the stroke episode in season one is actually quite a bit more of a tearjerker. Right. And this episode is much more about how to process grief yes. and how to deal with big feelings. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't love that for me as a queer audience member mm. that that kind of just gets folded in as a like, oh, well, okay, like we're also going to do this in this particular episode. But it felt like a nice resolution to the distance that Claudia and her sister have often had. And obviously, Mm -hmm. as an adult watcher, I immediately clocked the lesbian relationship from like, basically the second interaction that the two women have. So it, it was nice. One thing that I liked about it was the way it challenges Claudia's perception of her sister, not Mm -hmm. actually around queerness, but around coolness. Right. Janine's girlfriend is sort of, I don't know, I guess she's a YouTuber in town who is sort of town popular, town famous. Mm -hmm. And Claudia just can't believe that she would hang out with Janine for anything other than math homework help. And so when it's actually that they're 
a, a couple that they're yeah. dating. Claudia has to reframe everything she understands about her sister, but not around queerness, which I thought mm-hmm. was kind of cool. It was like, no, the part of this she can't really process is that Janine's girlfriend is super cool. <laughs> and also that Janine has feelings and she isn't a robot? Yeah, what? yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's fun. I was actually curious to hear whether that was something new to the show or if that's also an adaptation of the book series because this definitely felt like a more contemporary take on Mm -hmm. a character who might have otherwise just have been that older sister that she doesn't connect with yeah i don't remember janine ever getting to have friends in the series there are certainly episodes where she and claudia get closer but yeah i would have to i would have to reread right okay well if listeners remember off the Mm -hmm. top of their heads do let us know please do yes So I have to give a special shout out to the series MVP, or at least the second season. And that is Karen Watson's, I think, eight-year-old daughter. (laughs) I knew you'd love her. (laughs) So she gets a bit of a showcase in the episode where we learn that Christy's mom is having difficulty. And it's because Karen thinks that she's hearing a ghost and it turns out it's actually just Christy's mom. I just think that this actress's line delivery is so hilarious. Like, yes. she's got this deadpan delivery. The actress is Sophia Reed Gansert. And I don't know, there's just something about a preteen actor not usually having this kind of delivery and performance. So, you know, we're used to them being bratty or rude or funny or cute. And here it's just like, oh, that child is a little bit spooky, isn't she? <laughs> I love that it's this recurring plotline throughout the season that Karen is spooking out the other babysitters. Right. (laughs) And the other children. (laughs) Mm -hmm. People can't hang out with Karen because she keeps talking about the crying lady, uh, who, by the way, is Alicia Silverstone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, of course, in her will to not make her problems the children's problems she's hiding away in this giant, enormous mansion of Watson's to cry. She's in this bathroom in this corner of the house. It's like servant's quarters, part of the house. And she doesn't realize that her weeping is like traveling through the pipes and sounding 10 times creepier as a result. Oh, poor Christy's mom. I really empathized with her in this episode. (laughs) You're such a mom. Please just let me find a place to cry in peace. (laughs) (laughs) Where I won't be disturbed. And also, no, I don't want to explain myself to you. Exactly. Uh, adult problems yes yay all right well do you have any other kind of standout moments or characters or storylines that you wanted to talk about no i think we've covered everything i think it's a really good addition to the series my hopes for season three are for mallory to integrate a bit more into the Mm -hmm. group i also i know this sounds odd but I was I was really grateful that this season didn't end with a miracle baby for Christie's mom. Yeah. And I hope that that stays true. One of the things that I really always respected about the book series is that the thing kids want doesn't always happen, right? And mm-hmm. so that really gets showcased in the book series when Stacy's parents divorce because she tries every magical thinking strategy available to keep them together and of course course. that's not what happens Mm -mm. and i really hope for just in terms of depictions of infertility of which there are so few i just hope that they allow 
Christy's mom to find different kinds of fulfillment and happiness in season three and don't Mm -hmm. feel like they have to patch that hole with a baby. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, showrunner and show creator Rachel Schuchert has a really, really good handle on what makes this material successful. Like, one of the other things that Brian commented on was he noticed that the stakes are so simple, but Mm -hmm. they're also so effective. And I think that's one of the sweet spots that the show is really navigating correctly. It knows it's a little bit cheesy. It knows it's a little bit saccharine. It knows who its target audience is, but it also plays it so well that if the show isn't for you, it's just not for you. Like, I can't imagine somebody dipping into this and being like, well, maybe I'll give it five episodes and it'll grow on me. Like, it's the same show all the way through both seasons. But if it is working for you, this is comfort food, this is feel good, and this is surprisingly relatable. Like, regardless of whether you babysat, whether you're a girl, whether you've had infertility problems, like... These are real world, very relatable situations, and they're being handled well. The resolutions are both so humane and human scale. Like, there is no deus ex machina in the babysitter's club. We resolve things with what we have at our disposal. And sometimes, you know, we are disappointed. Christy's dad sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Christy's mom is going through a rough time. Jessie has to fight through what she's fighting through. Marianne and Logan aren't ready to be boyfriend and girlfriend right now. Like, these are just realities. And the show is much more about coping with our feelings around these things, even when they're unfair, than Mm -hmm. it is about everybody getting what they want all the time. And find that refreshing too, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. It's been interesting because I've been feeling particularly emotionally vulnerable the last couple of weeks so watching this in a binge and then also i've been watching season three of sex education which is Mm -hmm. another show that is effectively guaranteed to make me cry (laughs) or feel like really happy jojo feelings in virtually every episode it's just been like a big emotional roller coaster and then also and this is me queuing us up for the outro (laughs) and where we're going next week I was not prepared for the feelings that I had from the Serpent King, and you did not effectively warn me. (laughs) Okay, in my defense, I forgot how that storyline ends. (laughs) I was also hit by it because I totally forgot. (laughs) And also, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Good. I deserve your apologies. (laughs) I was like, whoa, where did this come from? I am overwhelmed right now. Yes, which if you haven't read it yet, Jeff Zentner's The Serpent King, it will get you in the feelings, uh, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. Pretty much guaranteed, yeah. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately, we're no longer looking for your responses because it is too late. But We have already recorded by the time you hear this, but you should still read it. It's a really good book. (laughs) Absolutely, yes, because that is the next episode that you're going to hear. So on Tuesday, we are going to be talking about The Serpent King. It's this month's book club pick. And Brenna, if they wanted to, I guess, post their reactions to it after the fact, how would they do so? Well, they can find us on the Twitter. We're on hashtag HKHSPod or at HKHSPod. You can send us long form stuff if you want, HKHSPod at gmail.com. I would particularly welcome deconstructions of the Babysitter's Club. Mm-hmm. I could talk about this more quite happily. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Joe, where could they find you? I can be reached at B, still my remote, and that's the letter B. 
And I'm at Brenna C. Gray, that's Gray with an A, and uh, yeah, so we're looking ahead to The Serpent King, and after that to Darkest Minds, which, Joe, I just started, and mm-hmm. I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm curious to see how we're using the word interesting in this context. <laughs> so until next time, I will see you on the page. And I will see you on the screen.